Hey guys, just a quick reminder, I am going to be speaking this year at Flip Hacking Live, and I'm very excited about it. If you don't know what Flip Hacking Live is, it is essentially a conference. It is a, a um, an event where some of the best and the brightest real estate investors from around the country converge to talk about their businesses, their strategies, what's working for them, what they're doing in their markets to kill it. There's going to be some great speakers on stage sharing and breaking down what they're doing in their business to be successful. And I think if you're serious about your business, you really need to think about being there and attending. I have tickets for you. I've negotiated an extremely low price to get you into this event. If you go to my website at juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live, you can get your hands on those tickets. There's still some available. So go grab those. I'm going to be there. I would love to meet you. Um, so grab them and let's, let's uh, sit down and chat while you're there. I'd love to talk to you about your business and I would love to see you there. So grab those tickets real quick at juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live and we'll see you there. All right, guys, on to the show. And you know, anyone that ever found my address and sent me a postcard, I would light it on fire immediately. And I, <laughs> I auto, I auto trash all physical mail I get. Like yeah. I refuse to engage in any physical mail. So that's if that's funny. any indicator of, yeah. you know, what the next 10 or 20 yeah. years will be, might be, I'm not saying don't stop today, but I was like, you know, <laughs> plan to stop 10 years from now for sure. I love right? that. I love that you uh -huh. automatically just burn it. It's great. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to Just Our Real Estate. I am your host, Mike Simmons. I am appreciative of you being here. It's exciting to me to have you joining me. Uh, although I can't see all of you, I know you're there, and I'm, it makes me, it just, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have you here. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, I have another good show for you. I know it sounds like I say it all the time, but I purposely put these shows together to be fantastic. And I think I have a really good one uh, today as well. Uh, we're gonna be talking to someone who has uh, made a transition. They made the transition from a really high paying, really good job in a really exciting kind of high profile company to starting their own business. And I'm excited to bring that uh, to you and to introduce you to them. Um, so without further ado, let's get this thing started. All right, thank you again for joining me. Uh, I have Tommy Griffith on the on the call today. Uh, I'm excited to have him here. Um, super super smart digital marketing guy. Uh, he's been doing search engine optimization for more than ten years. He previously managed SEO at PayPal and Airbnb, and now runs ClickMinded, a digital marketing training platform for marketers and entrepreneurs. Tommy started ClickMinded as a side project while working full-time at Airbnb, so I definitely want to get into that. That's very cool. He grew it uh, uh, until it started generating more revenue than his annual salary. Two years ago, he quit Airbnb to go full-time and uh, ran it and ran into a number of problems when he was trying to grow the business from there. So that's, that's something we all are kind of familiar with, right? Having the issues early on. So we're going to get into that too. But uh, Tommy, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time and, and talking to us. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mike, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Well, let's let's talk about this because I'm intrigued. A guy, you know, usually you start working at a company like, um, like Airbnb or PayPal and it's like, ooh, I hit I hit pay dirt here. Like th these are great companies, right? They're <laughs> obviously growing. They were startups a few years back, and now they're just crushing. And uh, you were in there at a high level doing SEO. 
what, I mean, aside from the fact that you did make that that transition, and I want to get into that deeply, why did you even like look for anything? Like, why was your brain even working in that way? Why weren't you just like, I'm here, I'm going to stay forever. This is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I had been sort of interested in doing my own stuff, kind of running my own business for a while. Um, my journey sort of started started with uh, with the four hour work week. Are you familiar with that book? Uh, who isn't, man? Absolutely. Yeah, Tim yeah. Ferriss. He's awesome. Yeah, Tim Ferriss four hour work week. That was definitely the catalyst for me. But for anyone who isn't familiar with the book, um, it was written in like two thousand seven or two thousand eight. And I think a lot of the information is probably a little dated now at this point, but sure. um, it, it was sort of the catalyst for people to realize like you can remote, run a remote business, you can have a remote team, right? You can yeah. travel where you work or you can do unconventional things like flip real estate or, or source real estate from the internet, things totally. like that, right? So totally. um, just kind of gave a lot of us the license to like go off script a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was cool. And so, uh, yeah, we, I, I, although, although I have to say, like, I think it's the most open secret in the world that four, nobody's working four hours a week. Right. <laughs> I know yeah. it's so ironic. So many people were inspired by that book and it, even like you said, it's a, it's the super known thing. Nobody's working four hours, but it's the concept, right? Of having that right. that that life uh, balance that's maybe unbalanced toward your life a little bit, which is what everybody wants. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And even Tim Ferriss, I mean, he's openly said multiple times he's working like 70, 80 hours a week, right? Like, <laughs> so so it's like a pure clickbait kind of scam for yeah, that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, aside from that, yeah. So it was kind of the catalyst for internet businesses. And I, uh, I graduated university at the height of the recession. I had a finance degree, thought I was going to work at a bank and definitely did not work at a bank. But uh, my first sort of step into this whole world was was uh, through reading that book for our work week. And I ended up creating a, an info product. I wrote a really dorky ebook. And then I tried to figure out like, okay, how do I get this to the, to the top of Google? Um, figured that out and ended up uh, starting a business with a friend of mine when I was 23 years old that failed miserably. I was one of these guys who um, I went to university and my parents paid for, for college. I, I graduated university with no debt. I was very blessed. That's awesome. And I, and I ended up putting myself into debt trying this business idea, right? Yeah. I like borrowed money from family and friends, tried this idea for, for a year and it, I just did everything wrong. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess the one upside to it was learned internet marketing, right? And so um, learned SEO, learned paid advertising, learned it really fast. And I ended up, you know, coming home, like tail between my legs, 23 or 24 years old. And was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, <laughs> like, room on the couch, you know what I mean? That, yeah. Kind, of, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. It ended up being the right place, right time. And PayPal was hiring an SEO manager for, um, uh, for emerging markets. And okay. so... How long have you, had you been doing SEO? Like when did... It sounds like it was kind of... Like what was your degree in, first of all? Was it in marketing or... Finance. 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 Yeah. Okay. So not marketing, obviously. Pretty far from marketing. And you yeah. said you, you kind of like stumbled into it and learned it. But how long were you doing it before they hired you to be a manager of SEO? Yeah. I mean, it really was probably like a year and a half. Wow. Um, which is... It was, it was a couple of things going on. First is you learn a lot when you are when you drop everything to totally. do one thing. Yeah, right? agreed. The second was, it was pretty, it was fairly frontier sort of technology in 2008, 2009. Like it wasn't, there weren't a ton of people that were career SEOs at that point. And right. so I think, I think it was just um, 
I had less competition. Like right. now, if 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 I if the exact same scenario had happened now, so many people would just smoke me, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, That's um, funny. That's hilarious. It, it's just timing. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, it ended up just being the catalyst for the next phase of my career. I was like working on my own business with a buddy of mine. Nothing was working. I was absolutely miserable. I was lighting money on fire. And then the next month, I was suddenly managing SEO at one of the biggest websites in the world, which is kind of kind of crazy. That is awesome. But yeah. But so it ended up being just a really long-winded answer to your question. Um, I started working on my now business, ClickMinded, while on the side at PayPal. And it was actually in response to the debt I had created for myself. Right? Yeah. So was working at these big companies, was learning a lot, but was kind of trying side projects on the side and trying to pay off that debt I had, I had caused for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, and I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs in general, like forget the industry for a minute, a lot of entrepreneurs, I asked you, the question I asked you was like, what made you even think about it, right? And it was the debt. But something tells me that even if you didn't have debt, your brain would have been going in that direction because entrepreneurs are like water. We find a way, right? We find a way to get to where we want to go. And and I did the same thing. I wasn't born an entrepreneur. I had, um, you know, um, blue collar parents who worked in automotive industry. I'm in, I'm in Michigan. So I was the farthest thing from an entrepreneur kid and I, I didn't sell, I didn't walk around and, and like cut people's lawns and things. I didn't do all that. But when I started working after college, I just felt like I wasn't where I needed to be. Like I needed to do something. I always wanted to do something. So that's, that's awesome. And I, and I think that's kind of a little similar with you. Catalyst, you know, you, you needed to pay off debt, but you know, uh, entrepreneurs don't just, people don't start businesses and be successful just because of debt. They have to have a burning desire. It's not an easy thing. And I'm, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit here, some of the struggles that you had early on, but it's hard to get past those if you're not an entrepreneur at heart, right? Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that, Mike. And I think the other, the other thing to think about, um, like, so for me, it was really interesting because ClickMinded was like idea number, like, 15, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had, I had tried so many different things and it wasn't, it wasn't even that it's interesting. Your like analogy that entrepreneurs are like water or like, we kind of like, what was the debt, the real motivator? I, I say in hindsight, um, it was the thing that made me do it, but maybe you're right because there, there was other examples. I tried a bunch of different ideas. Some didn't work, but some did work. Um, but I just hated them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it is one thing to keep in mind for anyone listening. If you're working somewhere and you're thinking about getting into real estate or, <laughs> or any type of side project, um, you know, as one example, so it was 2011, I was trying to pay off this debt and I had this idea for an iPhone app development lead generation site. Okay. Right. So, so the basic idea was it was 2011. Um, there was re a ton of interest in learning how to develop iPhone apps. Yeah, right. hundred percent. Um, there was also interest in if you were a company that didn't have an iOS app, you were like lame, right? You, you yeah. needed one. Yep. And so everyone was looking for iOS developers to create their app. And so the, my idea was, okay, I'm going to create a site that's ranking really well for keywords like iPhone app development costs and iOS developers and, you know, iPhone app developers, Chicago and things yeah. like that. Yep. And, you know, maybe sell the leads. Like that was sort of the idea. And I set up the site, I got it ranking, it was generating traffic, it was generating leads, everything was working. But on that Saturday morning, when I went to go work on it, I just hated it. Like I, I, I had no interest in it. I just couldn't get out of bed to work on it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think that's a good example of it being less about the money and more being um, driven by 
buy, buy something else, right? So the, what ultimately ended up happening, the business I'm in now, I really loved. I really loved search engine optimization. I really loved teaching it. We've evolved many times since then, but this was one of the things where on Saturday morning, I was jumping out of bed at five or six in the morning to go, to go work on it. And, yeah. and to your point, it was like less about the money and more about um, sort of what got me out of bed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think there's always a, a real interesting conversation around like, doing things for money and doing things for passion. I, I, I personally, you can't pay the bills with passion, right? And you'll eventually hate your life if you do things for money. I think there has to be a healthy mix there, right? Because um, click-minded is something you love. You love doing it. But if you were making no money, you might still do it, but you'd have to do something else, right, to, to pay the bills. So it's always good when you find something you love that actually makes money too. I mean, my passion is watching movies, and I know I could build a business around that, but I can't, you know, like it's it's hard to... It, it's hard to like. I'm sitting in a in the theater room right now. Like I can watch movies all day long, but just watching the movie doesn't make money, right? You have to think of some way that you can monetize that. But um, so just because you're passionate doesn't mean it's what your business should be. But it's great when you can find something that has both of those elements. Absolutely, and I would even argue that as we move along, like, look, the the world is getting so extreme now right so so extreme to from from everything like like to to you know to our politics and to our diets and to our like our lifestyles yeah. everything is so absurd now there's no, nothing's in the middle no. anymore no. and um over you know you you really do have to um, be really good at, at, at what you want to do next. Maybe there's still little pockets of things where you can have a mediocre product and still succeed, but not for long. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to have a mediocre product or, um, or service or a product or service that, that, that you're not passionate about. Right. And, and so of course, like whenever we're getting started, we have to go through a lot of crap to get there. And like you, you do have to sometimes take on clients or take on projects like to, to get there. But yeah, there's this guy, um, Naval Ravikant. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's like a tech venture capitalist kind of guy. And he's, he like tweets a lot about um, businesses and startups. And he's gotten more philosophical recently. But uh, he's got this really interesting take where he says, um, what feels like work for your competitors should feel like play to you. Yeah, I like that. And it's a really interesting take, right? Because his point is like, if you're going to start this side project that you're thinking about, maybe you're listening now and you're at work somewhere else and you do plan on working on it, eight, 12, 16 hours a day, over a long enough time horizon, if it's play for you and it's work for your competitors, you can't really lose yeah. over a long enough time. If it's always going to be play for you and it's always going to be work for them, you're eventually going to win. And that's yep. kind of his point is like, if you can find that triangulation, your point around, yeah, I love movies, but that doesn't pay the bills is a really good one. If you can find that triangulation of, of passion and, and value for other people, it's a really good spot to be in, you know? Totally. Totally. And, and I, that, that whole, let's, let's talk a little bit about that transition, right? You talked about it going from a full-time job that I assume paid very, very well and, and, had had some some security maybe I don't know maybe not as a startup but it was a good job right so how, how did you make that transition how did you how did you actually end up quitting and did you have any kind of safety uh, measures in place a, a big bank of money like how how did you decide and when was it right for you and why yeah it was it was really interesting because um, I did want to go do my own thing eventually but um, I was in this very blessed situation where 
I liked my job <laughs> and a, a lot of people listening won't. Right. And, um, but, but not even necessarily about liking your job. The other thing too was, um, you know, I was working on the business, I was growing it, but like the wounds were pretty fresh from the failure before. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was deeply aware of how bad it can go, of how bad it can be. Yep. And, um, and so I, I, um, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're working on a side project and they do like the Excel sheet math. Like, okay, what are my living expenses? What's the revenue for my side project? What's the first minute I can leave? And I'm going to leave right <laughs> yeah. then, right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was, it was interesting. You know, I joined Airbnb at a, at a kind of a wild time. Like, um, you know, there was a hundred something employees when I joined and there was 2000 with something when I left, yeah. you know, there, the state of New York subpoenaed us for our data the first week I joined. And then like I worked on a Super Bowl ad and Beyonce stayed in an Airbnb the week I left. It was just wow. kind of a, like none of my friends had heard of it when I joined, everyone had heard of it when I left. So it was just a weird, yeah. cool time to be there, you know? Very cool. Um, there was other personal stuff too. Like I, I felt very, and some other people might that are listening might, this might resonate with, I felt kind of unaccomplished at work. Like I, my side project was working, but there were still things I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and it just like the, the chapter wasn't, wasn't closed yet. So um, I wrestled with this a lot. And um, one thing, Mike, that I, that I realized I did correctly, looking back, I had no idea I was doing this right at the time. But one thing I, I realized I did correctly was this idea. Um, it's kind of this trope going around entrepreneurial circles now. It's called exit velocity. Okay. Um, and it's kind of something interesting that might be worth thinking about if you're working for someone and you're thinking about a side project now. I'm just pulling up the definition here. So this guy, Dan Andrews from Tropical MBA came up with this term and he says, exit velocity, the amount of professional and entrepreneurial momentum you have when quitting your job and starting a new venture. Okay. Momentum, momentum can come from a variety of sources, investment, capital, experience, anchor clients, industry knowledge and connections, AKA unfair advantage. Nice. So one thing to think about, and it might not be, um, it might not be as relevant for everyone who's doing real estate investing, but there could be some things is like with my first business, I was an idiot, 22 year old starting a medical tourism business. <laughs> I was going to ask you what it was, but I didn't know yeah. how sore that wound was still, but okay. No, medical no, tourism. To... I don't even know what that means. I'm pretty, pretty unaware. Yeah. It's a, it's so it was, it was, um, it was back in 2009. The basic idea was like, there's a number of procedures in the U S that are crazy expensive, especially if you don't have insurance. Okay. And there's a number of countries overseas that do them for way cheaper. Right. So yeah. we picked this very specific topic. Knee and hip replacement surgery is 40 to $60,000 in the U S and hospitals in Taiwan with, uh, with VIP accommodations, doctors that speak English and went to Harvard, all in the procedure was $10,000, right? Wow. And success rates higher than, than U.S. hospitals. So huh. I, well, how we came to this as an idiot 22-year-olds is a different story for a different day. Wow. But the point was it failed miserably. We did everything wrong. But I went into this industry with no experience, no momentum, no connections, no capital, no interest in it. Um, and surprise, surprise, it didn't work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but with my new business, I was doing SEO every day at these big companies. Then I was teaching SEO on the side, right? Just click mine. Yeah. We, we started this an SEO course. Now we're a digital marketing training course. We do a bunch of different courses, but I was doing SEO at work. I was teaching SEO on the side. I was using my own product on my coworkers and continuing to grow it with my business. So by the time I left, 
I kind of had accidentally stacked the deck in my favor, right? That sort of had these unfair advantages. So that was um, something I accidentally did correctly, which was like, I developed a really, really big unfair advantage. And I think that's one thing that anyone listening should think about is like, whatever you're doing now at work, what are you being paid for now that you might be able to translate into the next property you buy or into the next side project you're working on? And like, how can you leverage that to the next thing? You know, totally. And there's a lot of people who are doing real estate part-time and, you know, they have a construction background or, um, you know, they have some sort of finance background because, I mean, finance plays a big part and you have to be able to look at the numbers and understand what is a good and bad investment. So a lot of people doing that and you're right, they're discounting it. And and I think that that's, um, that's huge. If you're doing something now or have that, and and frankly, a lot of folks have connections. Like for, for real, I know real estate investors I, t- I talk to, um, I have spoken to some that are investment, um, they have like, they have investment clients, like people who come to them to, to figure out how they shouldn't be investing money. And it's like this Rolodex of people with a ton of money who want to find vehicles. They want something to put it into. And it's like, they come and go, I don't know where to get money. I don't know where to find money for my investments. How do I find private lenders? And it's like, dude, you have a Rolodex of people that trust you and know you and have money that they, the disposable income they want to invest. Like, what are you talking about? You have such an unfair advantage in that in that aspect. So I, I, I get that, man. I, I totally get it. And, you know, the other thing, too, is when it comes to, like, doing what you love and doing it on your terms, um, I know that you have a business that you can travel. You can, you can travel around. You're not tethered, right? So that's pretty exciting and interesting. I'd love to explore that a little bit. Talk about how you're able to do that and... I don't know if you want to get into some of the systems or processes, but how do you how do you do that? How do you detach and not have to be at the office, so to speak? Yeah, um, and that, that's been a big part of of all of it. I um, when I was in San Francisco, you know, I love my job, I love my friends, I, I I loved all that, but I actually got really sick of the city. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about man, I don't know if you have any clients investing there. What a nightmare that place is to buy property. Yeah, um, you know what? We have some people crushing it in San Francisco. Believe it or not, really? there's some people doing something. Really? Yeah, they're just they're just killing it. One guy in particular I can think of. He's just he's making more money than you can imagine in San Francisco. Very competitive, but yeah. Wow. It's tough. Yeah. It's not easy. I, I also have people that I know that have tried and failed in San Francisco. So I know it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, having lived there for six years and paid rent there for six years, it is, <laughs> it is not a good, uh, yeah. it's not a cheap place. I'll say that. Nope. Um, yeah. So with the remote stuff. Yeah. So I've been, I left Airbnb and I've been traveling for, um, about two and a half years and growing this business. Um, I have a remote team of five, and uh, I've traveled through Europe, Asia, Australia, and I'm in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii right now. So uh, it's not it's not a bad life. Not it's a been bad fun. Life. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think one one thing to think about is the nature of the business. So, um, you know, if you are a service kind of business where you have customers and meetings and all this. Um, time zones and like syncing up with your team synchronously, like at the same time can be more important. Mm -hmm. But if you have things that are a little bit more process driven or not, things aren't like kind of due by the end of the day, you have more leniency with this. Like, um, you know, there might be some aspects of real estate investing that, that are like this. And, um, um, it's been great. And so, you know, most of my, I'm in Hawaii, but most of my team's in Europe, that's a 12 hour time difference. And we, we, we don't really have meetings, uh, maybe, maybe once every two weeks or once every four weeks or something like that. Yeah. And it's just kind of keeping the conversation going in Slack and, um, 
over messaging and, and, and things like that. Um, I can go into some of those processes. Yeah, and tools I would love to actually know what tools do you use to be remote? Yeah, so Slack is the big one. Okay. Um, uh, for anyone who kind of doesn't know, it's like office chat basically is what Slack is. Um, Hubstaff is the one um, I use for time tracking. Okay. So uh, remote employees that you want them to log hours and then kind of pay pay salaries based on that is the big one there. Yep. Um, yeah, Skype or Google Hangouts for video calls if we need it or anything like that. Um, and then a lot of, uh, we use um, Asana, which is like the tasks. Yep. Uh, sort of Task management, like a project management kind of a thing. Yeah, project I know people use that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's been great. But the nature of our product might be a little bit different than most people listening. We're sure. a digital product, right? Um, when users enroll, they check out. They don't need us for for anything. We don't schedule calls with them, and we're just kind of continually like fixing bugs, improving the product, and it's just sort of like a to do list that's always there. And, sure. and users work on it when they work on it, and and don't when they don't. One big key about it is. I'm really relentless with, with hiring. Um, and by that, I don't mean uh, particularly strict. It's more that the one thing I think I've done right in a mess of things I've done wrong is I've gotten really good at like hiring smart people, letting them do kind of whatever they want to do and then getting out of their way. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. That's actually, you know? that's a, that's a really huge topic right now in, in the real estate circles, especially with folks that have been doing it a while and, and they're scaling their business. Hiring is tough in any industry. It's tough, but that's something that even in my business, like I've, I've had my ups and downs with hiring. You know, I've hired too fast and fired too slow and, you know, I've done a lot of things wrong, but this remote team of yours, um, it sounds like you said they're in Europe mostly. So they're, um, like I be like a VA or whatever. They're, they're not ever around you. How did you find them and how do you go about training those folks? Yeah. So we've gotten a ton of mileage out of Upwork. Yeah. Um, and which is like the freelancer marketplace. You have to be very diligent about it because there's just as many, um, C players as there are a players. I'd actually, there's way more C players yeah. than there are a yeah. players. Yeah. Right. Um, one little hack around this, that's been really good. Um, that a lot of people don't do. First of all, the easiest one in the world, and it's going to be a duh Tommy moment, but you'll be surprised that 99% of people don't do this really, really put a lot of work into your job description. Like we, I treat our job description the way I would treat a really funny, funnily written like um, email or sales copy for a landing page or like the way I would write a, write a letter to an old friend. Yeah. So funny to me how many entrepreneurs are like they're sitting in their their like ivory tower on their cat in their castle thinking <laughs> it would be such a privilege to work for me. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put two minutes of work into my job description and I'm gonna like pick through all these peons who are gonna apply to me. It's like, dude, yeah, yeah. smart good people don't operate that way. Yeah. They're gonna see your job description and be like, I'm not gonna work for this loser, right? <laughs> and so. We make our, we put, I put so much work into this job description and surprise, surprise, all the most awesome, hilarious people that you would actually want to like go out and get beers with uh, end up applying, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the other hack too around this is what we do is instead of going through this annoying vetting process and, and a, a huge benefit to thinking about this if you're using Upwork is just pretend to be an applicant and how annoying it is right? Um, yeah. It's really annoying to go back and forth and like people ask for free samples and stuff like that. So what we do is we, we do one round of narrowing it down just based on um, kind of estimating who they are based on their profile. And then we hire everyone for a five hour project. Nice. It, it costs more, um, but it's ultimately a huge time saver because 
you pay a bunch of people for like a one-off project, right? They're not wasting any time. They're getting paid and you actually see how they work. Yeah. The, the way most entrepreneurs do it is they, they, they do a half-ass job description yep. and then they ask for free samples from everyone and then they end up hiring someone and it's never a good indicator of whether or not they're actually good. Sometimes you end up hiring someone who's bad and then like you mentioned before, you can have this problem of like firing too late, like two months later, it's, yep. it's no good. So we, I put more work up front, I pay more up front, but um, no one's ever left the, the company. We've never had to have any problems like that. So it's been, it's been great. That's fantastic. You mentioned... Um uh, like some of those, the process of hiring, do you use profile analysis like disc or Colby or any of these kind of things at all? Or is that something you do? Interesting. Um, I'm actually personally kind of dorky about MBTI. I, I, okay. I, I, I know I have plenty of friends that make fun of me for this. I'm like, Oh, cool. So you like, you're one step above horoscopes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't do any of this for, um, for the business. No. Okay. Okay. Um, that's very interesting. Now, what about the, the training process? Do you have systems and, and software around, or is it just like get on zoom or, or not zoom, but you, you mentioned, um, Skype and, and some of these Google hangouts. Do you get on there and, and kind of do that one-on-one or do you send them stuff? Like how do they get onboarded? I guess. So, yeah, it's really interesting because we don't have a ton of staff and the, the nature of, how it's been was it was me. <laughs> I was physically teaching SEO in person, then decided to expand it to more courses. And everyone that's on the team now was deeply involved in taking us to the next level. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, like once we hit our next kind of like kind of revenue mountain, maybe we'll have to start like the people on the team will, will start hiring people for themselves, gotcha. hopefully. But everyone so far, it's been more like, um, hey man, okay, like based on the sort of interview stuff we did, like, and the, the initial five hour project we hired them for, like, you're really good at this. Um, what should we do? <laughs> right. And, and so it hasn't been like, here's like, yeah. like, here's what I want to do. It's sure. more like, I'm going to get out of your way. Yeah. Like I said before, surprise, surprise, smart people love autonomy. They love being in power. They love working. They love taking hold of the product and making it their baby and running with it. Totally. And like, that's the dream as an entrepreneur, right? Get yeah. out of their way. It's, totally it's been smart. great. Yep, you're right. Some people overconstrain really smart people, and they and they don't even know what they could do if they would just stop being so micromanagey about it. I, I think that's awesome. I, especially when you're remote, you have to do that. You try to put your thumb on them, and it's it's just difficult. Right, and and it's not because I know it's not because I um I was cognizant of how valuable this is. It's because I'm not good at those things. <laughs> like, you were you were incidentally a really good leader. That's funny. I, like I was because I'm so bad at all these other things. It's like uh, someone would make a suggestion. I'm like, yeah, do it. Like, like you you go for it, man. I yeah. I have no idea. You know, so that's, that's kind of how it works. That's hilarious. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about about click minded. We've mentioned it several times. Tell the listeners, if you don't mind, just what did you create? What is this? What is this business exactly? Yeah, so ClickMind is a digital marketing training course. We teach marketers and entrepreneurs how to do digital marketing. Um, we focus on beginner to intermediate um, sort of folks that are growing their their business through online marketing. And our model is we try and find world class instructors that do this stuff every day, right? So the former head of social media at Airbnb teaches the social media course. The content strategist, former content strategist from Lyft, teaches the content marketing course, and um, we yeah, people use us to train up their teams, uh, get caught up to date on on um, on uh, digital marketing processes. Like our big thing is cheat sheets and checklists and templates and SOPs and um, yep. a lot of a lot of uh, kind of process driven things that um, that 
that's on us to keep updated and, and, and using. Um, and the, the one big thing with our stuff is it's, it's a, a lifetime access and free updates for life. So it's like one time enrollment fee and then, um, you get all unlimited updates for free in the future. So like when things change or when there's updates, we kind of push those into your account for, for free. That's sort of our, our angle. Fantastic. So what's, what are you guys, what's your goal for this company? Where, where are you going with it? Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, we, we personally like a lot of what we're teaching now. You know, our competitors range from free YouTube videos and blog posts all the way to $100,000 master's degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the big, kind of very similar to like back in 2008 when I first read 4-Hour Workweek in a hammock and tried to figure out if I was going to learn SEO. One big kind of meta question and anyone listening that's maybe thinking about buying, you know, their first property. Like, and again, this is one of the things I did write, but I did it right accidentally. I didn't know I was doing it right at the time was, I, I wrote this dorky ebook. I got it to the top of Google. And then I said, okay, are people going to be Googling stuff more or less 10 years from now? Like back in 2008, right? Yeah. And like that's easiest question in the world. Yes, right? Yeah. So now with ClickMinded, right, we have seven different courses on digital marketing. We have more than 10,000 paid users. We're teaching like team Fortune 500 teams and stuff like that how to do it. And it's just like a simple question. Like are people going to need to learn digital marketing more or less 10 years from now, right? It's just like the easiest question again in the world. Yes, right? Yeah. Like it's going to change. There's going to be new platforms. It's going to be things like that. But um, so we don't really know what direction it is, but um, we're, we're geeks about this stuff. We love it. We would, we would be doing it, um, you know, anyways, yeah, if we weren't. Exactly. So that's kind of what we're focusing on for now. And so far, it's been a lot of fun. Okay. I, I mentioned to you prior to, to starting this interview that in the, in the real estate world, um, surprisingly, almost embarrassingly, there's a lot of digital, I'm sorry, there's a lot of physical marketing that goes on. Um, I'm a, I'm a part of a, a mastermind, hundreds of real estate investors from around the country, very successful people running multi-million dollar businesses. And you ask them, where are you getting all your leads? Where Where's, where's the money coming from? And almost exclusively, they'll tell you from physical mail, from postcards, from letters, this kind of thing, right? My theory is, and this is my uninformed theory, is that as my parents and grandparents and things come and go, the, the generation that's getting older is more and more used to getting online to find things, right? That's where they're going to look for things. And by the way, they're online more often. So there, there's things being put in front of them, right? Like probably similar to what you guys do. There's things being put in front of them all the time that they're interested in, that, that that's where that's you know, their interests are being aligned with where they're searching and where they're at on the internet. So what, what do you think about that? Is it, am I right? Is my theory right that more and more that's where things are going to be bought and sold? Then, I, I mean, it seems like a no-duh thing too, right? For me, as I'm, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, well, that is almost stupid. It is. But for real estate though, we, we tend to get very, uh, we hunker down on what's making us money and, and we're <laughs> not exploring the digital side of it that much. But I think eventually that's going to be it. Yeah. And, and, um, I mean, an easy way to think about it is if you look at the sort of generational sort of change, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I'm on the, I'm on the, the, the grandpa side of the, the millennials, right? Like I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm that side. And you know, anyone that ever found my address and sent me a postcard, I would light it on fire immediately. And I, I auto, I auto trash all physical mail I get. Like I yeah. refuse to engage in any physical mail. So if that's Funny. any indicator of, yeah. you know, what the next 10 or 20 yeah. years will be, 
might be, I'm not saying don't stop today, but I was like, you know, <laughs> plan to stop 10 years from now for sure. I right? love that. I love that. Um, automatically just burn it. It's great. <laughs> it scares auto. me because if you have a house that where there's tons of equity in it, uh, you're going to be getting a postcard from somebody. I don't care where you live. And uh, it's funny <laughs> just so you know, if you guys have them on your, on your mailing list, just delete them because he's burning your mail. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> or I'll send you a mail back with something like, I don't know, something horrible in it. Oh, but uh, yeah, we, but, get that too. we get that too. Okay. People get very upset about mail. Oh, um, yikes. Well, that, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go. Oh, yeah. No, just I mean, one thing to think about in terms of like this transition. So it, uh, there's so many different digital marketing <clears throat> tactics. One thing I think maybe users can think about that I love. And again, I'm very biased towards SEO. What's that saying? Every to a carpenter, every problem or to a hammer, every problem's a nail, something like that. So yep. I like I yep. try and solve I try and solve everything with SEO. And so that, that can lead me down a, a, the wrong place sometimes. But yeah. Um, I really love this aspect of search engine optimization. It's called keyword research. And the basic idea is you can use third-party tools to figure out what people are Googling, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we do this whenever we do product development, whenever we do total addressable market sizing at Airbnb or PayPal, all the way down to like, you know, what, what product do I want to import and sell on Amazon? Or like, you know, should I set up a coffee shop in this town or that town? Like you, you kind of use search engine volume as a proxy for demand. It's a yeah. proxy for human behavior. So one thing um, some people could, could think about um, is, you know, as you're thinking about your side project, you're working for someone else and maybe you're going to buy your first real estate. What are the trends? What are people Googling for? Like where are, um, where are demographic shifts happening? Where is, is a big company moving into a town that's going to suddenly skyrocket um, right. real estate prices? Like there's, there's sort of, quantitative search trends you can use to, to, to do a ton of the work and it's only going to cost you your time. It's not going to cost any money. And that can lead you down to looking at this particular town or looking at this particular type of apartment or looking at this particular type of customer avatar, like the kind of person you want to get in as a, in a rental space or, or something like that. Totally. So I, I really like this idea of even if you want to keep doing old school offline tactics, that's, that's fine. But there's a lot of online tactics you can use to make your decision-making process much more informed. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I'm positive that there's uh, folks out there that are running real estate businesses. I'm one of them who have marketing managers, right? So so this stuff is very relevant because not only to find out the trends and where, where you are now, but a lot of us are expanding into new markets as we grow our company. And like, how do you know where these things are happening? Like, which market should I go into? So that's some of the data. Just out of curiosity, I don't want to get. I don't want it to be too. Uh, we don't obviously don't go too deep, too deep into it. And I don't want it to be too out of left field. But keyword keyword research. What what tools do you recommend for people? If there is a marketing guy listening, going all right, keyword research. I get it. But what does he recommend? What does the, the expert recommend? Yeah. So my two favorite keyword research tools are uh, kwfinder.com and ahrefs.com. A h r e f s.com. Yeah. Um, the basic idea is, and you can see in their about pages about how they get this data, but it's not from Google, but it's kind of the closest thing you can have. Google would never like, um, is never going to tell us exactly sort of what's going on. And actually, the Google's tools used to be the best maybe 10 years ago. They've actually become not as good if you're not paying a lot to Google AdWords every month. So yeah, yeah. these are the two best options. Um, they usually have free trials. And uh, we do have lectures on this at clickminded.com, free lectures and cheat sheets and templates you can check out. But yeah, the basic idea is kwfinder.com or hrefs.com and um, plug away. Like like think about your customer avatar, think about trends you want to follow. And you the idea is just to overinvest in this process. Because like I said before, 
it's not just an internet marketing process. It's a really good proxy for human behavior and a proxy for demand. I mean, a lot of people know this now, but with Google Trends data, they're now predicting flu outbreaks before they happen based on symptoms that people are typing in into Google, right? So it's a really good proxy for the human psyche. And um, it's not a surprise at all that, oh, look, um, you know, uh, coffee, you know, coffee shop Atlanta is, has grown a hundred percent search traffic year over year. Like, like, is that, does that change what the value of Atlanta real estate is? Like, so you can like, instead of like, Oh, my neighbor said this, or my friend said this, or like, I got a hot tip from my grandpa. Like you can be much more quantitative about your kind of discovery. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. You know I love I, that. I love I love that approach to it. I like that analytical data driven approach. It's 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 just absolutely you can't you can't avoid it forever, right? If, especially if you want to grow and be serious and be systematic and have a little bit more um you know, data to back up decisions as far as expansion goes and things like that. So I love it, man. I'm telling you, I'm going to list, I'm, my marketing manager is going to listen to this episode because I want him to understand um, some of these things too. If he isn't, he's probably already doing it. I'm so clueless. But um, <laughs> so it, listen, I, I know your time's valuable and I've, I've taken up uh, enough of it probably, but if people want to reach out and find out more, I know they can go to clickminded.com. Um, uh, is there anything else that you want to say or places they can reach out or something they should know about? No, that, that that's really it. Uh, yeah, clickminded.com. We also have a, we just launched these free um, digital marketing and SEO strategy guides on clickminded.com. We designed them like uh, these 8-bit retro sort of designs. So like if you ever played Nintendo or Super Nintendo in, in the 90s. I, I'm old enough uh, to remember that very, yeah. <laughs> very clearly, yeah. Yeah, so we designed them like that. So those are free on, on clickminded.com. Sweet. I love it, man. Well, listen, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Super inspirational. I love how you went from what, you know, some people would say, oh, you have to pull me out with a, you know, horse and buggy to get out of uh, the companies you were in. And you did it. (laughs) And you did something on your own, on your terms, that allow you to have the lifestyle you want. And man, that's honestly, forget the industry. That's just what it's about. If you're an entrepreneur, that should be what it's about. So uh, big inspiration. Appreciate your time, man. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, Mike, this is great. Thanks so much for the time. Okay. Thank you, Ben. All right. What a fun interview. Tommy is a a good dude, very smart guy. And I love his perspective on making that transition from a full-time job into his his passion and the business that he wanted to start as an entrepreneur. And uh, like I said in the interview, man, the guy worked for Airbnb. Uh, He had a job with PayPal at one point. Like these are not small, insignificant companies. And um, he shared on on the podcast there that he was at uh, Airbnb when there was 100 employees, like he was around close to the 100th and, and he worked there until there was like over 2000, I think he said. So pretty impressive and it's very inspirational to hear a guy going for it and and making it happen when he when he has a, what would most people consider a dream job. So very cool, I'm excited to have had him here. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I think uh, hearing about entrepreneurs making that transition and just understanding the struggles are not different between real estate and this, right? So, um, you know, if he can do it, we all can do it, right? So very cool. Happy to have him on. I hope you guys enjoy that. And until next time, yeah, if you're thinking about doing this business, if you're if you're interested in starting your own real estate investing company or any company for that matter, it's just not going to happen until you get out there and just start. So go just start, guys.